everybody. We are live. Jason Sarney here with the FinManiacs.com podcast, a special Friday night podcast. And I'm with the hardest working man in Miami Dolphin football right now, Usam Patel. How are you, brother? What's up, Jason? I'm doing great on this Friday night. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy Friday so far. A good Friday. Let me just read off the exact trade trades, pair of trades that happened today with the Dolphins. First, it came news that there was a uh, San Francisco 49ers trade. And that was basically the Dolphins acquiring their 12th overall, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2022 third-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick for their third overall pick this year. And then within basically before they hung up the phone, they had another team, the Eagles, on speed dial, essentially, almost like it was draft day. And they basically swapped their sixth pick. Uh, they got the sixth pick for, uh, you know, the 2021 fifth-round pick from the Eagles, and then the 2021 first-round pick, which is the 12th overall, a 2021 fourth-round pick, which is a 123rd overall. So essentially they swapped, and the 2022 first-round pick. When it's all said and done, they improved their whole. What were your thoughts of the day? Well, number one, Chris Greer turned his inner Kevin Costner on, as you said, from draft day, and absolutely blew us all the way. You know, Brandon and I have been reporting here at Finn Meetings that the Miami Dolphins – most likely we're not going to stay at the number three position. You said it yourself multiple times on our podcast and through articles and through social media as well. Our reporting was correct. Well, number one, everyone expected us to trade back with either Carolina, with either Denver as well. And look, Atlanta's a wild card to pick maybe, but we'll see what happens draft night. Um, I was pushing for the 49ers pick, actually, because, well, number one, Kyle Shanahan and his offense needs a quarterback to run efficiently so they can get back to the Super Bowl. Essentially, that number three pick is a valuable commodity, and as anybody knows, with supply and demand and basic economics, that is the most coveted pick right now, because number one, Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jaguars. The Jets, most likely... Most likely, we'll be picking Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson had a great, tremendous pro, pro day. Although, I feel as if he might not be the number two guy in the draft. However, the Jets are the Jets. We'll see what they do. The number three pick is essentially where the draft will start. And Miami took advantage of that. Chris Greer absolutely fleeced Houston in the Laramie Tunsil trade. And I have to say... That gas mask and that bong has to go into the Hall of Fame. It, it absolutely has to go into the Hall of Fame. So now we're talking about this discussion as what Miami will do with what they have now is the number six pick. Howie Roseman took a chance trading with Miami. Essentially, Philadelphia can be out of the running of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Philly could look to draft a Dolphin favorite, Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's the thing is, and I tweeted this before we went live with some, is if the draft kind of falls in a way that's almost like reactionary, quarterback one goes, quarterback two goes, the trade up for the 49ers now goes quarterback. And what if the Falcons go quarterback to make it four in a row? The Bengals are going to say, do we get a, a protector for Joe Burrow in a Sewell, which nobody could say that they're wrong, or they can go Jamar Chase, which is a number one target for Burrow, which I guess you could kind of say nobody can go wrong. That's where things kind of get interesting for Miami because if it is Sewell, and let's just say it is, Penny Sewell will get drafted by the Bengals, which I, to me makes the most sense. If I'm the Bengals, I have to ensure my number one pick from the previous year by getting the generational protector for him, right? So 
all of a sudden you might have a situation where you have your choice of top three receiver, Kyle Pitts, or go off board. So if that happens, I'm guessing Twitter Armageddon. What do you say on that? I'm guessing. In a good way. In a good way. In, in a good way, essentially, you have all these elite players who are available. Who is Miami going to choose? And I second second what you're saying as well because Atlanta might be the factor at number four. Either they stick with Matty Ice and pick either receiver, Penesawo, possibly, although don't question Atlanta what they might do. They could pick Jamar Chase to pair up with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and form a formidable wide receiver course in Atlanta. Cincinnati, you know, they did sign they did sign Jonah Williams and they did get Riley Reef. However, the Bengals offensive line still needs help. And Jonah Williams and Riley Reef are versatile as they both can play guard. You've seen it in college, we've seen it in the NFL as well. Panesawell can be that guy for the Bengals at the left tackle position because Zach Taylor loves to run a lot of screenplays, and that's exactly what Panesawell was good at. And he likes to run the ball as well. Now, let's say Cincinnati does not take Panesawell. I think the Bengals will pound the table for Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow himself will get his favorite target back from his national championship days at LSU, making sure that you know he has that already built-in chemistry. Now, with Miami with the number six pick, when we're talking about chemistry, you have Devonta Smith available. Smitty the superstar, as I call him. He already has a, a report with Tua. The Miami Dolphins, I guess you could say, liked him a lot at the Senior Bowl, and he even took the trip to the Senior Bowl to talk with Brian Flores and Chris Chris Greer and have a couple of interviews before the Senior Bowl. Now, I wouldn't rule out a trade back, another trade back with Carolina or with Denver either. If the Dolphins feel like they could get Devonta Smith or maybe another wide receiver, let's say they, pays, they pass on Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts is still available on the board. Miami could make some noise and trade back and get possibly – another first rounder for next year as well. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see. I'm going to welcome in Brandon Lagori. He does some great work throughout the season and, of course, has been doing pod work on a scouting combine show with Hussam. Brandon, happy trade Friday. What's going on, guys? Yeah, that those two deals that involved the Miami Dolphins this afternoon, it felt like, it felt like draft night was tonight, right? I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't really feel like today was – was March 2026. 20, the deal that really shocked me the most was, which maybe I don't know necessarily if you can say shock because maybe a lot of us had thought it would happen, but Miami falling back really only three spots to get all that comp, that compensation. You really have to take your cap to Brian Flores and especially Chris, Chris Greer. 100%. And it's kind of a trade strategy that I, frankly, I've been praying for. I've been calling it robbing Peter to pay Paul. You, you accumulate all these picks from someone, and then you look at this free house money, and then you just go to another machine if you're in a casino and you try to make a little bit more profit. And that's exactly the kind of correlation I've been putting to Chris Greer. And there's a, an amazing amount of options that they couldn't go. And especially when you look at the intangibles by bringing in picks from the next draft, the year after that, they could use essentially those picks next year to bring in a player week four, five, six prior to a trade deadline. They could make more moves attaching to a player if there's a cap situation, not, you know, predicting, maybe speculating, let's say a guy like a Devontae Parker. There's a lot of wide receivers in that room. If you trade him and one of those picks that you just got, 
to try to get something else in 2021. That's something to look for. I mean, I, I don't think that they're done. Hussam, do you think that Chris Greer is done? And I'm not saying with the sixth pick, moving that around. There's a lot more assets that he can move around. Is Chris Greer finished before draft night? No, he is not. Good answer. And as you said, Devontae Parker could possibly be moved. He could be a cap casualty, but we'll see later on. Possibly, he could go to the Baltimore Ravens, bring in a nice group of uh, receiving course to Lamar Jackson. Miami could essentially flip that pick, maybe for pick number 18 or maybe a second rounder to get another wide receiver. This, cl this class of wide receivers is super, super deep. And if you haven't take, uh, looked at Fit Maniacs already, I just you know put out the trio of Trojans, and I really highlight Amon Ra, St. Brown. You know, he's that slot receiver kind of guy that Miami has been missing. He's kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster, who is also a former USC Trojan. So maybe Miami could take a look at that in the second round. Um, another thing I want to break up, and I want to bring Brandon and you on this, is there's been a lot of chatter, you could say, about one, maybe possibly two of Miami Dolphins' corners. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, you know, have a really, really big contract as well. And, you know, the Miami Dolphins right now aren't necessarily tight in their cap space, but they could look to add more for next season and bring in more free agents because of the COVID-19 pandemic, how limited we were this year. Brandon, Jason, do you guys see one of those these two corners being moved? Brandon, draft? take it. I don't really necessarily see in one of them being moved. However, it wouldn't really shock me if their contract gets, you know, uh, reconstructed. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of those happen with, you know, big-time guys, Tom Brady. I believe Tom – in order – you know, Tampa Bay pretty much re-signed every single guy that was part of that Super Bowl team. I believe they they're, they had a, a, a news report out today saying the Bucs were the first team in about 30, 40 years to literally re-sign their whole entire offense and their whole entire defense. So it, I – and Xavier Howard, in my opinion, is definitely a top three, even top five corner in, in this league today. I don't really see the Dolphins, even though Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are probably the two highest paid players on our roster right now. I don't necessarily see them getting moved, but again, it wouldn't shock me really at all if you see their contract getting kind of tweaked up to maybe get some new get some new guys in. And however that situation may may play out, we shall see. Jason, how about you? I mean, well said. I mean, they're the two top – I mean, look, they're probably the top duo in the league. They are the top two paid Dolphins. You're looking at a $14 million base salary for Byron, and you're looking at a 12 and change million dollar salary for Xavier. And that could change because, you know, the new agent comes in. Maybe they're going to restructure in a team-friendly way to front-load the bonuses, front-load the incentives, and maybe get like a cheap base salary. We don't know. If that happens, then that tells you you really don't want to break up that secondary. On the flip side, the value that he could bring could be too good to turn down. A little Laramie Tunsil-ish. They might not have said, we want to trade Tunzel, but when the tires were kicked and someone said, by the way, would you take two first rounders and change for Tunsil? What's the change? You know, so it's almost a situation where you want to wait to see if anyone bites, maybe, on Howard. And at this point, I'm not discounting anything. Kyle Van Noy, for whatever reason, maybe a restructuring that went wrong, gets released after a failed trade attempt. This is a guy who probably no one saw going into this offseason a one-and-done in Miami. Yeah. Same situation for trading a loss. And it, it cut money and then it brought in a, a Bernardrick McKenney, which is an 
in the middle of the linebacking core need. So the Dolphins are making moves to look for the future, to trim money while they're doing it, and to give themselves ultimate flexibility. Now, one last thing that I want to bring Hussam in, because we're going to talk prospects, and, and that, that's your thing lately, is talking about all these prospects that the Dolphins are basically interested in really everybody, because that's what they're showing, is that there's not a name that they're not going to be interested in, and they're going to be doing their due diligence on basically everybody, because they're not married to a, a position in the draft, clearly. You know, what area other than cornerback do you see because I, I do see the cornerback situation being kind of a question mark because Gerald Alexander is such a good coach they can get rid of one of those top corners and the next guy up you know maybe another drafted guy could just come on in so the cornerback I want to move and I want you to talk about another position that the Dolphins could really keen in on well, definitely cornerback is a big thing, which is all speculation right now. But moving on from that, you have to really hone in on an edge rusher. Now, Miami did move on from Shaq Lawson, but they did strengthen their linebacker court a little bit. And let me tell you this. Miami may not need an edge rusher that can produce sacks a lot because Brian Flores and Josh Boyer's defense is not predicated on these edge rushers taking on sacks or being productive in sacks. Instead, what the defense does is that the, they create pressures either from blitzing, from absolutely locking everybody up in the secondary, and bringing generating pressure because that's the thing that will bring on sacks and turnovers. You may not need a guy like Aziz Ojulari or Greg Rousseau. You could get a guy like Jason Owe who didn't have the best sack production at Penn State, but his pressures were elite. Same thing you could possibly say with Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips. You know, they can line up in a 3-4-4, 3-5-2, wherever you need them to, and they will rush the passer and make, make sure that he's pressured, therefore creating some turnovers which Miami can capitalize on. That is what we saw glimpses of in 2019 and exactly what the defense did last season now another position i wanted to move on is specifically running backs which i wanted to bring brandon long brandon hoping would say running back <laughs> would would you choose Najee harris at 18 you know what's the value valuation like if you're chris greer do you take harris at 18 or do you just wait you know it's it's a running back's definitely a position of need, right? So whether the Dolphins go Najee Harris, who I watched him in the SEC title game against Florida, and I watched him in the, the 2021 college football playoff national title game versus Ohio State. I mean, those two games, if that tape doesn't really show you why Najee Harris is a solidified first-round pick, then I really don't know what really you've you've really been watching. And now with, with uh, Matt Breida signing a – a uh, one-year deal with Buffalo, so he'll be staying inside the, AF the AFC East. Miami has to they, – they, I wanted them – I said it maybe about 10, 20 times. I wanted them to draft a running back last April, and they didn't get it done. Well, now with April coming up, I believe it's 33 days until the, the uh, NFL draft, you got to go running back. You got to go wide out. You got to go edge rusher, and you got to go running back. Those are three positions that if I were the GM, those are the three positions that I'm – glaring my eyes and I'm trying to get married to those three solidified positions before the Dolphins name is called on NFL draft night. You make great points, Brandon. I think those are the positions that they do ultimately get out of. I mean, they have five picks in the top 81. I mean, that's not a situation that changed with today's moves. They've always had those exact picks, right. but if one of them, hopefully Najee Harris, maybe a top two, three running back, 
I'm going to bring in Drew Walsh here as one of our Finn Maniac contributors, and he loves himself a running back. How are you, Drew? I am doing great. Just got back from watching some lacrosse, having a good afternoon, watching my daughter score three goals. Well, missing my daughter score, score three goals because it happened in the first five minutes, but I'll take it. <laughs> but good game. Was that, I like the humble brag with it happened in the first five minutes. That's really <laughs> terrific parenting right there, showing off the three goals early. I love it. Well, the, the good thing is after that, she started passing to other players and actually, you know, letting some other girls that hadn't scored before score. So I, I was actually pretty proud of her for that. And I her love celebrations it. with the girls that hadn't scored was pretty awesome. Love it, man. Love it, man. So let's let's transition and keep from lacrosse to football in terms of, you know, a score that your daughter did well, like a Jim Brown, and then transitioning to running back. You see what we did there? Because he played yeah. lacrosse too. So talk to me about who you want as a Dolphin fan in a realistic sense in the running back position. I honestly think this draft is actually full of a lot of different options. I mean, Najee Harris is definitely the – to me personally, the premier back because of how well he can receive. He 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 leaves that that X factor of being able to line up as a, a wide receiver if you need that not every other back is really going to be able to do, but he can still pound it between the tackles. You got Travis Etienne, who I, I think can do some of the pounding, but not at the same level. But but he's got that spark with his feet. Ah, uh, it's just 18 is just so rich for a running back in 2021. That, that's the one thing that throws me there. And then uh, you've just got a ton of backs after that. Javante Williams. I mean, even, you know, further back, a Trey Sermon, I think, still ends up being a very good NFL running back. Optimally, I wouldn't be upset if they went Najee Harris at 18 and also got another guy later in the draft as well to make sure they hit on the position. And that, that's one thing they definitely have the advantage of doing right now is they can double up and improve their odds of hitting because that's one of the hardest things to do is hit twice. and hit. But if you hit one of your two, you're looking pretty good. You made good points there. And the Dolphins fans, I mean, we're kind of getting spoiled with multiple first-round picks. It's going to happen for another couple of years. And maybe even they use assets to get a third First round pick this year again, which I really don't think is out of the question. If you package a player and maybe one of those second rounders or even one of those picks from the Niners or uh, what they obtained throughout the last couple of weeks, you know, it's not out of the question to get more top 32 selections. So, with that said, I want to bring in one more of our Fan Maniac writers. He does some fantastic work. Sean Williams, how are you, Sean? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? We're a very pleased bunch of Dolphin fans. I could think I could yeah. speak safely for the crew here. And uh, I know you have your thoughts, and I would love to hear them. Um, <clears throat> I loved the first trade. Um, I like getting three first-round picks and a third next year. Um, I don't love the second trade, but if they have a guy that they're, they're convicted about, then more power to them. Um, I trust their instincts. Um, so I think that looks good. I, I liked having the extra firsts next year and the year after in case we wanted to package those um, to go out and get a veteran like a, a Daniil Hunter, um, something like that, because we don't need nine first-round rookie contracts on the cap 
And when they're all coming up at the same time, that's a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> but now it looks more like the plan was just to get the insurance for two in two years. So, um, which I won't complain about that. Um, just expected to get a, a Colts type haul for that pick. Um, didn't end up that way, but if, if we hit on our picks, then can't really complain. If I'm looking at some other intangibles, um, I'm looking at, you know, you move down from three to six, you're saving a couple of dollars in the cap. That, that's one thing. You made a great point with having that stock of picks for next year. That's really not going to hit you if you want to go out there and get a player, week five, whatever. And, and there's just a lot of other things that just make sense that Greer is finally, not finally, but like really being the bully now. I mean, now he's just kind of messing with the board. That's fun. I, it, it's fun now. Now is the where. Who made the point? I think Brandon made the point that it feels like draft night now. And it, it really, truly does. It kind of stinks. That, again, you mentioned, Brandon, what, 33 days? But I think a lot of yeah, mock drafts are going to be a little bit of a different flavor because they could change in four days. So, Hussam, what are you thinking, you know, in terms of potential moves? Are there any shocking moves? I tend to think there's a shocking move that's still going to happen. Do you think there's a shocking move that we haven't even mentioned yet? Well, definitely. I love your point about the mock drafts because, hey, I have waited. I'm going to be waiting until at least two weeks or a week before draft night to release my mocks because I know how crazy the NFL offseason gets. The free agency was crazy. And you knew what was going to happen before free agency officially began. Just like how Brandon's saying, it already feels like it's draft night. Shocking move is what we talked about with the cornerbacks with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I know Sean may not be the biggest fan of that because, look, Xavier Howard is one hell of a player. He He's a franchise corner elite. for the Miami Dolphins. Elite. Elite. He's elite. He's the reason why the Miami Dolphins won a couple of games. Now, I do hope. Chris Greer and management do intend to restructure Byron Jones and Xavier Howard's contract, front load that contract with guaranteed money, keep them, and develop the cornerbacks roster and keep the defense intact where there's not such a big change. You know, offensively, I think Miami could be possibly in a bit of a surprise where I don't think it's going to be a quarterback switch or maybe an extra wide receiver through free agency. I think Miami could possibly look to trade and maybe, maybe even solidify their offensive line before draft night, whether it be center. I know we just picked up um, – I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name. I know Matt we just Skura, picked up Ravens. Matt Skura from the Ravens. And, you know, I think Eric Flowers could possibly be moved either for a pick a player swap, or maybe just ultimately cut to save money. I think that might not be the biggest shocker, but I do believe it might be coming. Brandon, what say you? You know, I don't really know Darren Seeley if a lot of people have, have brought up this guy, Jakeem Grant, right? Because the Dolphins bring in Will Fuller. So you you know Will Fuller should have – the Dolphins want to get a deep playmaking wide, wide out, right? Two is obviously going to be the guy in, in, in week one of the 2021 season. So then they go out, sign Will, Will Fuller. So is that now going to diminish Jakeem Grant's role? That's that's the one guy that I'm that I'm looking to see. And 
Another big name that I'm looking to hear for, even though he's not on the the the, the Dolphins, Deshaun Watson, right? Is is, is he going to be Houston's starting quarterback come week one, or is that going to be another big name that hits the, the the market maybe next week or two weeks or who knows? You know, that's that's definitely a conversation for a whole other day, the Watson situation. So we really got to watch how that plays out. Um, ultimately, I'm always going to stick with that build around two, and it seems that that's what they're doing. But to get back on Grant. Um, Again, this is all speculation because all we're doing right now is we're speculating. We're looking at the team with our own lens and we're making our educated guesses because that's that's exactly all that they are. And I think that the Dolphins would probably go up to a Jakeem and say, listen, you're, we, we got a, a very packed wide receiver room, but you're the best punt returner that we have. So that's going to be your job. And then you, you, you see how we react. And if he's going to own that and become that lone punt returner position, which he's an all pro at, and just stick with that, that's fantastic. But if there's a stink that he wants to play wide receiver or whatever, then that's it. And that's it. Then they, they could probably do that with another team. And that's just that's what I think is happening with this, this front office. It's here's what we want for you. If you want to do it for the team, great. But here's what we want you to do for the team. And if not, there are 31 other teams out there. And, and that's just not being mean or rude or right. not light towards players this is just essentially how they're running their business i think and they've shown it because it's show business it's not show friends here and i think bringing back in drew you know do you think of that any surprise situation or how do you think that this roster is going to look is there any major differentiation coming heading into the draft heading into the draft not so much heading outside out of the draft absolutely one of the big holes that they would have is, yes, they've got people who've returned kicks before all over the roster. Uh, but back to the Grant case, they don't have an established kick and punt returner to the same level as what Jakeem Grant is. Uh, we saw they like to last year, they were successful using him in some end rounds and some of that, those type packages. I could see them possibly keeping him on the roster, as you said, primarily for kick and punt returns, and then you bring him in here or there to kind of get a spark, to run the end arounds, to run some short catches. Uh, with all that said, we, we all see it on Instagram. Who's he throwing to? To was out there practicing with, you know, a lot of guys we think are going to be getting cut. So, obviously, the guys don't think that. So, I'm interested to see when we start seeing Will Fuller in some of those videos, some of the other guys, and... That leads to a lot of excitement. Excitement but, is that? Oh, go ahead, Drew. But there are so many. There, there are so many players at every single position. You know, they're bringing in their ninety, but there's going to be cuts, and there's going to be the guys that you know we all like, and some of them aren't going to be on the roster. That's part of becoming a better team. Some of the guys we like that came into the US DFAs that you know have kind of hung out. They turn into either depth players or. They move on. I mean, and we've got other draft picks. We, we got to see. We don't know what has happened with the Jason Strobridge. We don't know what's happened with the Tyson Render. So all those guys were on the roster last year. And it's very interesting to me that, you know, they felt okay with the cuts they made. But, I mean, they've got so many picks coming up this year early. This roster is going to be remade again. And it. It's fun to watch. It, it, it really is. And it, it doesn't feel like the same fun we the same fun we've had for a really long time where we win free agency. They're moving 
pieces and they have a plan and they say, here's what we're going to pay. You're going to take it or you're going to leave it. And we're not going to try to be the highest payer in free agency this year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. I mean, there's a lot of moves. There's going to be wide receivers cut. There's going to be some cornerbacks cut. I mean, if you look at the roster right now, it's huge. Yeah. I think there's 75 then, players on it right now. Yep. And they haven't even added the draft picks or the UDFAs. Exactly. We, we know this team likes to add their UDFAs. So it should be fun to watch. Fun to watch is and exciting. I mean, you said it. And I want to, you know, keep the show around the 30-minute mark. We have a couple minutes left. Why don't we go around the room once? Uh, we've got so many picks. The first round is fun to talk about. But you win your – not your draft. You win championships in two or three years with your day two and day three picks. So give me a day two or day three pick. One player that's on your wish list. And go, go, go into, like, pick 55, 60-plus. You know, go into that later area, Sean. You start us off. That's a good question. Um, talking to um, one of our colleagues, Chip, um, I'm a huge fan of safeties, and everyone knows my my love for uh, Trayvon Merrig. Um, but his uh, his college teammate, Ardarius Washington, um, seems to be just as big of a stud, if not more. Uh, Chip's got me on that bandwagon now. I guess TCU just knows how to recruit and uh, develop safeties now. So uh, I would take him very happily. I like that. I said safety is one of the two or three positions that I'm waiting for that next huge Dolphin franchise kind of mantle pass. You know, safety, and I'll, I'll save mine for a couple. But Hussam, what do you got? I have a feeling I know where you're going to go, but surprise me. So, number one, I've been looking at this player's film so far, and he's not who you would necessarily expect, I would say. Um, he's a teammate of Levi and was a rookie, and I'm a big fan of him. I'm talking about edge rusher Joe Tryon from the University of Washington, the Husky himself. He fits the mold of the Brian Flores' defense. As I said before earlier, he's not the guy who will give you the sacks. He's the guy that will give you the pressure, and the teammates around him will get the sacks and they'll get the turnovers, but he will be the key. And I believe the Miami Dolphins could possibly be in the running to draft him. Um, Chip and I absolutely adore Jermar Jefferson. You know, we might get Najee Harris, Devontae Williams, who knows. But in the back end of the draft, Jermar Jefferson can be that one-cut guy who can also receive out of the backfield. You know, he's a young guy. He will develop himself. So I would really like him in the running back room to be an added depth piece and add value to the running back room. Um, this is a Finn Maniac's favorite, and he said it before on our podcast, Quinn Miners, the belly of the beast. This guy is everything Flores looks for in a player. He's rock solid. He can pass block. He can run block. And he's a great teammate and a leader and a communicator in, in the huddle and outside of the locker room. As well, he's a high-character guy. And, you know, if we don't get Creed Humphrey, that's perfectly fine because we can get Quinn Miners later. There are backup plans all over the place. And you you took one of my guys, but I have a backup. I, I, I got my guy in a backup. But, Brandon, who's your one guy? If Najee Harris's name doesn't somehow fall to us, I honestly wouldn't really be mad if the Dolphins go Travis Etienne. I mean, this, this is really a do-it-all guy. University of, Cle of of Clemson, you know his his quarterback, Lawrence, probably going one. So uh, 
that's kind of a, maybe a surprising day, day two pick. I don't even think Travis Etienne is probably going to fall into day two. But somehow, if he does, I, Travis Etienne wouldn't, wouldn't really disappoint me. Drew, what's your guy uh, after pick 40, 45 area? Because, you know, the Dolphins can move from 36 backwards. Who knows? But what's your, you know, 36 to 50 range? So that or even later, to yeah. me, I would say they get a Najee or ATN, but later on in the draft, they choose violence and get Trey <laughs> Sermon. <laughs> Because, you know, Drew, it would actually set up the play action rather well with a guy like a Trey Sermon. Absolutely. I mean, and you, you need to yeah. – ultimately, if they can get Najee and Trey, that really helps out because there's going to be some injuries with those bangers. Yeah, I mean, neither one – you may get a few full seasons out of them, but when you bang like that, it's going to pile up. So if you got two guys you can split the carries with plus, you know, the backs they already have, that makes for a very difficult position to stop. I wouldn't be upset if they double up on targets in terms of pass catchers, if they double up on, on runners. So that's a good pick. My guy is if they do not go with a slot receiver, if they don't go a Devontae Smith or, you know, someone in that mold in the first round, maybe Kyle Pitts, who's that do-it-all-everything guy, keep your eye on Clemson, Tiger, Amari, Rogers, Because this guy is – that's a slot receiver who's yep. five – he reminds me of a mixture of O.J. McDuffie, Albert Wilson, and Jarvis Landry, all just combined. Same height, same weight, same just – you could hit them, but they're going to pop up, drop the ball, first down, and that's it. That's who the Dolphins need, I think – to maybe go through a year learning from an Albert Wilson, maybe if he's still on the team, maybe watching Lynn Bowden get a call maybe before them, get him a little angry, maybe put him in special teams. Amari Rodgers is a guy to circle. Great. Hassan, what, what are your thoughts on Amari Rodgers? I know you've done some work on him. Chef's kiss. If, well, this, if this wide receiver class was not this deep, he would be easily a second rounder but i want to add on to look man i'm a draft guy i want to yeah, add hey, some more players you. keep it going man i want to add we're letting you a couple more players i really 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 and i hate to say it even though i'm a hurricane and a panthers fan florida state seminal hamza nasruddin got your guy this guy is so versatile versatile he can play anywhere on the defense he can be high safety he can be in the box. He can be a dimebacker. He can be an edge rusher. He can be a slot corner. This is what Brian Flores envisioned for Minka Fitzpatrick. However, however, Nasrul Dean is much taller, much faster, and way bigger than Minka Fitzpatrick as well. And Nasrul Dean fits that mold of a Brian Flores swiss army knife he can do it all he is six five i mean look in a conference of athletic tight ends as travis kelsey and darren waller if and if you want to make that playoff push i guess you could say maybe new england patriots combination of hunter henry and john Drew smith you need to cover tight ends and hamza is that guy eric rowe can serve admirably but he may not be able to run with the best of the best hamza can I also want to add in Baron Brownie, the Ohio State linebacker. I think he will be a second-round 
draft pick. He's high on, on my board, and he can do it all. He can rush the passer. He can run block as well. He can cover. He's a great, great Ohio State running back. Uh, linebacker, my apologies. He's he's just absolutely amazing. And another linebacker I want to add because this draft is also deep at linebackers, not necessarily in the first round, but towards the back end. Cameron from Michigan. Yep. He was a Harbaugh favorite. Sean, you know exactly who I'm talking about. This guy is what people think Michael Parsons is. Valuation-wise, not exactly. Valuation, you will not get the first-round price on Cam McGrone, but Cam McGrone can do almost exactly the same stuff Michael Parsons can. Yep. See, that's a good name to circle. And the last thing that I'll say before we give everyone their last word is that Greer is probably – See, I know a lot of people are joking with their gifts, like it's the any uh, you know the Philadelphia always having in Philadelphia wall of the craziness, but that's probably what they have. Is like, all right, if this is available, here's going to be we're going to go running back, edge, linebacker. If this path goes, but then if someone's drafted, they're just going to go on the plan B and how that thread kind of goes. So I think that there's going to be a ton of different plans for them. They're not going to be married again to a certain player. They're going to be prepared for scenarios. And, and I think that as Dolphin fans, we should be very patient, which we some have been. Look at what's happening. In a random Friday, the draft has officially started if you're a Dolphin fan. So, Sean, get us out of here with your last thought. The the biggest consistent I've, I've kind of noticed with this regime is – you can't speculate. You can't predict. You can't project. It's impossible to know what's going on in the brains of Chris Greer and Brian Flores. I have never had to question what their plan is more than I with, with this team more than I ever had with them. I, I mean, I know the logical what what probably sounds logical at pick six, and I could be so wrong, and we could all be so wrong, and I think. I'm noticing our fan base is so brainwashed by the the very typical things Miami would do and the draft and free agency. And it was almost completely predictable. And these guys are just rewriting the scripts. And, and I love it because every move they make seems to have a ton of logic behind it. It seems to be very fit-oriented. Um, I couldn't be more excited to, to potentially go to the draft and see what the – the culmination of that plan was um, it's such an exciting time to be a Dolphins fan. It really is. Well said, Sean. Hassan, take it what your last words are. Brandon, I want to ask you this since we both live down here in South Florida. Could we have two Godfathers down here in Miami? Hey, we saw we saw what the Heat what what the Heat did bringing in Victor Oladipo. So we'll see. I mean, these both, these both, they're just wheeling and dealing. And as Sean said, it, it's a ton of logic, saving a lot of money. And I do want to tell you this in free agency, you fill holes through the draft, you build franchises. That's absolutely correct. And that's exactly what they're doing. Brandon, what are your last thoughts other than the Godfathers? <laughs> you know, last, last draft, it was the Dolphins found their hope to be franchise changing quarterback, right? Well, now this, this upcoming draft, the Dolphins, are they going to find that franchise change in wideout or that franchise change in running back? So, hey, 30, 33 days away. I honestly cannot wait. April 29th is the one. I'm honestly counting down the, uh, the days. It's well said, Brandon. And uh, to give you the answer, why not both? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> what do you think, Drew? 
Okay, since these are my last words, I just, I just I'm going to name my dream scenario here for the offense. Kyle Pitts and Najee Harris, they line up, they run the ball, they start playing smash mouth football. Teams run in their heavy set. Well, guess what happens now? You can line both of them up at wide receiver. You go with a hurry up offense and they're on their heels. The versatility and just the chip, the opportunities they have to build a team that does all sorts of stuff with the Lynn Bowdens, the Jakeem Grants, the Malcolm Perrys, the guys they already got on the roster. And you add that to all these new draft picks. They can do so many different things, and they're going to hit teams in ways that they're not expecting. And I am here to see it. Fins up. Well said, Drew. And, guys, thank you for joining us. Hussam, Brandon, Sean, Drew, everyone out there, please check out their work. These guys work tremendously hard. They put out quality content. And I, I really think they're just getting started because we're not even in April yet. And we have four full weeks to cover this draft. And, uh Thank you for everybody who comes to Fin Maniacs, checks our shows out. Have a terrific weekend. Maybe we'll get another deal out of here before we get to Monday. Fins up, everybody. Have a go on. Fins up.